Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. I am your host, Kerry, from the band Bug Eye, and my co-host today is the wonderful... Angela Martin. I'm not the, the the kind of main host person for once. I know. For once, you have to try and jump in at the awkward pause. I know, but I'll just edit it out. No one will ever think that it was an awkward pause. <laughs> Damn I, was, it. I was there. I was there on the mark. I was ready. You don't have the hosting power today, but you've still got the editing power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember, do you remember um, listeners, um, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that Kerry was slowly taking over this is this is another piece of evidence of that. You see, my role has been reduced. <laughs> the, coup, is the coup is officially yeah, underway. No, it's, Classic it's Kerry. <laughs> and who is that? There's a third voice. <laughs> <laughs> Someone waiting in the wings for her moment to shine. We have a very, very, very special guest today. So we have the wonderful Holly from Berries. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we've been Sorry, talking sorry. talking about you coming on the show for for a while now, and then finally got our shit together to make it happen. And I know I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm already enjoying it. I'm having the best time. <laughs> it's amazing. Good. And then, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> and now she's decided that's it. I'm leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, actually, now I'm here, and I hate everything about it. So bye. <laughs> no, this is the the best social thing I've done for ages. <laughs> Good, good. To be fair, it doesn't take much at the moment. Well, that is true, to be honest. <laughs> Although I discovered something very exciting about you, which makes me sound like a stalker, but it's, it's not. not a stalker thing at all. About um, me or about Kerry? No, no, about you. Like when we did, because, oh. um, yeah, we did like Christmas Zoom. Was it? It was Christmas Zoom drinks, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. Was that Christmas? And yeah. you, you had more than one Christmas tree. And I was like, okay, I like Holly even more now because she's a fan of Christmas. She has many Christmas trees. Hopefully not still now that we're in Well, March, actually, but... you say that we've got four in the garden, actually, at this moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, they, we... are they ones that you're growing for next year? <laughs> One is very brown. It's on its way out. The other three are doing very well. I know we couldn't, we couldn't let them go. That was it. We, we had to, they've just moved from our house into the garden now and it's Christmas all year round out there. Is this a career move for you? Are you doing your own sort of Christmas tree farm? Is that what you're going to be doing? Well, apparently we are. Every time I go out to the garden, I'm reminded that we are. If I, if I can remember, the best part of your having multiple Christmas trees was the fact that one of them was in the toilet. Yes. You know, I think it's one of those things we, we were in lockdown and we were just, you know, what can we do? Let's just de- start decorating in November. But beginning of November, when you start decorating every week, you know, we're going into all different shops no that makes us sound like we're breaking restrictions i mean we're going into t- like sainsbury's and tesco's and like, oh we've got a little tree here yeah that's gonna, that's gonna be coming home and we just ran out of space and the bathroom genuinely is one of the biggest rooms it, see, it felt natural just to put a tree in there i i had a vision when kerry said it was in the toilet you know we're british so we just call the bathroom the toilet toilet, but for american people they've probably got this vision of you actually just thought fuck it put a tree in the actual toilet i think that would have been good if you did do that well i mean you you wouldn't have to water it would you (laughs) 
Well, that is true. Well, to be honest, we were very close to that. (laughs) (laughs) They were everywhere else. They may as well have been in the toilet. That's like an extreme level of like trying to treat yourself during lockdown. Just keep buying yourself Christmas trees. (laughs) It's a dangerous habit, I have to say. It's a unique, unique addiction, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we have quite like a, a complicated intertwined history between our two bands. That that sounds like there's like some sort of seedy sordid, sordid. stories. Does, I mean, it? I may really have been isn't. trying to make it sound that way. <laughs> she winked at me. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, we're, we're going to keep some secrets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, obviously, you know, this is a sordid <laughs> secret affair between both bands. <laughs> but yeah, because me and Holly have known each other for a good like ten years or something now. I can't believe how old we are yeah it's, it would be about that yeah yeah we met at university and that there's no other stories there it's like we met at university yeah then it was and 10 we fell years in later. Love. <laughs> <laughs> but we could never admit it to each other <laughs> until last year no um <laughs> tragic love story <laughs> but no but we met at university and then sort of like went our separate ways um and then yeah i ended up joining Bug Eye and then you guys all sort of knew each other as bands and we all sort of came back together yeah do I, do I remember I think it was at a Bug Eye gig and I saw you and I, I, I feel like I marched up to you and was like you're here to watch Bug Eye and you were like I'm playing in Bug Eye <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh, oh wow that's I'm pretty amazing sh- I'm pretty sure when that happened was like my first gig with Bug Eye as well so I was probably feeling well chuffed with myself being like nah I'm in Bug Eye thinking I was it was cool. you were like no I'm I'm actually in the band and I was like oh my god you're so cool <laughs> and then I went back to my friends like my super cool friend over there yeah she's in the band anyway. <laughs> anyway my point just being there's a lot of love on this on this episode yeah. today yeah and I just think that you know the fact is your bass is is small with curly hair so is ours no, I just it's think there's so there's so uncanny. many things that connect us. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels. There's Maybe all... they're sisters. <laughs> Maybe could be. I think there's a, there's definitely a story there somewhere. And then uh, yeah, there's also the the fact that we don't talk about about the time that Holly asked me to play drums for her band and I never responded years and years ago that I've got no memory of. <laughs> You're so proud of that I'm, moment. I tell you, I'm still, you know. <laughs> I try and get over it day by day, but we're still we're still, still there with me. We're still working on repairing our relationship. <laughs> and, th- and now you're yes. kicking yourself since Barry signed to who? Who did you sign to? Yes, uh, Extra Mile Recordings. That was yeah, absolutely a huge, huge shock for us. It was amazing. Yeah, we were, we're still buzzing about it. To be honest, I don't think we'll ever stop. I mean, yeah. it is it's incredible, you know, and very well deserved. So you've you've had a single out this year called Copy, which yes, yeah, yeah, which is fantastic. We played that on the show, didn't we, a couple of weeks back? I yeah. think. Yeah, and then you've got you've got an album. <laughs> you've got an album on the way, hopefully this year. Is that yes. right? Yeah, we're writing it. It won't be this year though. It's oh, spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I think the plan is to do another couple of singles this year and then release the album early next year. Um, Yes, yeah. which we've not told anybody yet. <laughs> it's an exclusive. Exclusive. Um, yeah, so we're absolutely, we can't wait. We're writing the album now. We're going to jump in the studio when we can. Um, yeah. Get it down. 
and yeah it's just it feels amazing to be able to do an album obviously you know we've not done our debut album yet so yeah it feels like it's time definitely well, definitely is time I cannot wait to hear it because I'm sure that it's going to be amazing. Me neither. <laughs> so, so and I can't you... wait for you to write it, Kerry. <laughs> so how, how is the writing going? Because obviously we're all still in lockdown and Zoomed out and, and stuff like that. So how is it? How's it working for you guys? Yeah, actually, it's going really well, which is nice. I started writing um, as soon as we went into lockdown um, uh, back in, well, last this time last year, really. Um, I just sort of started trying to just churn out tracks. This is before we'd even thought we could possibly do an album and or Extra Mile or anything. Just, you know, as you do, write deep, disturbing tracks in these times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we I started to get quite a few tracks together and sending them over to Lauren and Lucy, and they were like, yeah, yeah, we're loving it. And I think there was also this frustration there that we couldn't play all together. Yeah. Um, but we sort of were having sort of all these tracks. Uh, so now just, yeah, we're just collecting them picking out the best ones and going from there that's cool and are there any kind of uh common themes like threads of narratives of things that you're writing about at the moment um a lot of it is to do with um anxiety mental health um quite a bit about um kind of not having your voice heard and things like that so i'm trying to lighten the mood a little bit (laughs) as well (laughs) so you're going back i think this is what happens when you write an album in a sort of global pandemic So you're going back, crossing out lyrics and changing them to like happy words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, exactly. Just literally you know. go and yeah, just make all the words the opposite. <laughs> yep, yep. That's it. It's it's going well. I like it. I like it. It's hard. It's not exactly a very optimistic time, is it, at the moment, to be perfectly honest? No, it's true. It's, yeah, especially this last year as well. Just, yeah, not, it's, it's hard to know. I know a lot of bands that I chat to um, and you guys, you know, whoever I chat to is the same trying to find things to write about at this point which doesn't just sort of fall into one tiny little hole of sort of lockdown you know let me out the house kind of thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's difficult it's hard to do anything at the moment actually (laughs) true true True. apart from watch shit tv yep Yes, watching exactly. watching shit TV and researching podcasts. Yeah, so. that's, that's all we do. That's all we do now. So on that, uh, on that, that note, through that flawless link, it is. Well, what, no, it's uh, a nice link. It's you guys nice have done this link. before. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well, Kerry, the host. Um, <laughs> we're talking- you were going to say something else. <laughs> We're talking about the two gyms, Jim and Jimmy. <laughs> it's the Jim and Jimmy show. Yeah. I'm going to be talking about Jim Morrison and some conspiracy theory stuff. That's no surprise really coming from me. And Horry? 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 What is your name? <laughs> and I'll be talking about Jimi Hendrix. Uh, trying not to just fangirl for about 25 minutes in my low droney voice. <laughs> Basically, since we have talked about you potentially coming on the podcast, it's always been a given that you're going to talk about Jimi Hendrix because it's like your specialist subject, like a mastermind kind of situation. It's quite funny, actually. I I was thinking the other day about um, my mum was sort of clearing out my wardrobes at home and finding all my old textbooks from when I was at school. And in year seven, I had um, taken it upon myself to do a speaking sort of English lesson um, where you had to get up and discuss somebody 
just who you loved. And I did Jimi Hendrix and I was like, I was a wicked 11 year old. <laughs> but now <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, now I'm on this podcast talking about him. Like I should have, res- you know, I feel like I've got quite a lot of pressure here. <laughs> no, there's no pressure. If I mean, you've listened to the podcast, Holly, you know, there's no pressure. <laughs> there's major pressure. <laughs> there's, there's no, if you do, you'll do marginally better for us if it's actually just correct and accurate. If, if, you, if you manage to <laughs> string together some coherent sentences, you're doing better than us already. So. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I seem to just make up a lot of things and have a lot of opinions on things as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just put one shout out out? <laughs> Should you want to shout out, really? out, yeah. shout yeah, out? Yeah, out there, out there. Um, because I, I've been meaning to get Lisa from Beckdale Sound Test to come on the show and... Um, completely kind of messed up date so she should have been on today's show talking about events coming up but yeah i obviously screwed that one up but i do have some information to share with you on that so talking about not having anything to do in lockdown that changes this weekend um basically bechdel santes normally do every year like an event for international women's day and they've done that since like 20 2011 no that's not true 2018 um, but obviously they can't do that um, this year, but they are doing uh, a series of online events around music, culture and well-being. And they've got live music um, this weekend online from Hurtling, Gold Baby, Kitty Fitz and Hannah Rose Kessler, um, who's also um, on Reckless Yes, by the way. So <laughs> another label buddy of ours. So that's this Saturday between 7 and 9 p.m. And if you want to know where it's at, well, I'm just about to tell you. Head over to Bechdale Sound Test's um, YouTube channel or their other social media, media channels and you'll be you'll be able to uh, watch that there. They also have on Sunday yoga and kids disco and a feminist pop culture t- quiz. I wow. can't speak. Um, tickets for an event, but yeah, check out social media. Um, this show goes out before this event so it is not old news (laughs) it's not old news so please 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 do check it out and they're raising money across the weekend for young women's trust so uh yeah it's it's a good one so get involved that sounds like the most exciting weekend that i've heard about for a long time i can't wait for that that sounds brilliant excellent yeah really really good bands involved so uh yeah i'm looking forward to that and uh yeah, kids disco thing this weekend. At least that gives me something different for for Beth because it is uh, as any of any parents that are listening will know. These times have been very trying <laughs> <laughs> to entertain a child when nothing is open, um, and you don't want to just feel like a bad parent shoving them in front of an iPad. Although there's been plenty of that. I mean, kids disco just sounds like it might be good entertainment. For, for me on a Sunday, if I'm honest. Yeah, same, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> More about Sign us it. up. <laughs> Maybe we can all watch it and be on Zoom together at the same time. And then it will be the Cool Kids Disco. Yeah. Can we make it the Cool Kids Disco? Because I'm not sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was saying that and looking at Angela's reaction to see if she was going to be like, oh, God, shut up, Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, a, I mean... I'm just not very quick off the mark today. I still feel a little bit hungover after yesterday. It was Kerry's birthday. It was. And, and I we went also... for a walk. Yay. And a walk involving alcohol because we we're, were exercising while drinking. Which is totally legit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, 100%. But I am also struggling a little bit today. So I apologize for being slow, but I'm hoping that Angela can edit it out so it seems like we're not slow. I'll just speed you up. (laughs) 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 Right, cool. Well, um, Holly, you've brought some new music along, haven't you? I have, yes. I love this band uh, so much. So yes, this is the Amazing Scrounge. Um, with their new single, Leaking Drains, which is out on Fierce Panda. Leaking Drains, Dickens Sewers. Holidays on other people's lifetimes. Ripped apart, curbside. Got to poetry is not for me. I don't wanna, but you don't wanna. I don't wanna, but you don't wanna. Doctor wrist, skinny wrist. Sipping through the shit for a hot tip. The Amazing Scrounge with Leaking Drains, uh, which is an absolutely incredible track. I am loving it and I love them so much. <laughs> what are they like live? I've not seen them play yet. We got lucky actually. They played with us. Um, oh, I'm trying to think when the gig was now. Um, what year? Uh, well, we've played together and it just, they're just like a powerhouse two piece, just super cool, super like punky and riff driven. And just, yeah, seriously, just uh, listen to their whole back catalogue. Yeah, that song is so sort of like high energy and kind of frenetic mm-hmm. and chaotic. I can just imagine it being incredible. Yeah, but that, that's why I asked about it, because I just think, you know, there's some bands where you just hear their music and you just know that that's, yeah, that's definitely a gig you want to be at. Yeah, right? totally, totally. Oh, yeah. Insane life band. Yeah, really amazing. Really amazing. Very, very cool. All right, Angela, are you going to start us off with uh, telling us all about Jim Morrison? I've got three pages to get through. Oh, so my days. sit yourself down. <laughs> Settle get comfy, in, Holly. I've got four books of Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I'm going to skip over some of this stuff, though, because it, I, I, yeah. I mean, so I started off with this, and I, I'm a fan of The Doors, but it's one of those situations, again, where it's like, I, I'm a fan of The Doors, but I didn't know huge amounts about the Doors, if that makes sense. I was always like a lazy music fan of I like the music, but I don't really read the backstories, which um, I should have done because they're so interesting. And obviously I'd seen years ago a film about um, Jim Morrison. I was about to say Jimi Hendrix. Different person, not in The Doors. Let's see Let's see how many times Angela can mess that one up on this uh, episode. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, The Doors, as you know, were like an American rock band from Los Angeles that kind of sort of hit in 1965 and they were fronted by Jim Morrison 
Um, and that, they were quite a controversial band, but really influential act of the 1960s. Um, because of like Morrison's lyrics and his voice and his erratic stage persona, like they really stood out. And they're regarded as probably one of the most important bands as part of the sort of 1960s sort of counter culture. One of, one of them, Jimi Hendrix, obviously being another important figure, as well as the Beatles, actually. Um, all of them had uh, the LSD element in, in common. So The Doors put out six albums in five years, which is pretty, pretty good going, really. And some of those albums are actually considered, even today, to be some of the greatest albums ever, ever written. I mean, the debut album by The Doors... I think is the soundtrack even today to most teenage angst and thinking you're really dark and deep and meaningful and no one understands you and yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is right do you know what I mean I don't think anyone really comes to the doors late in life I think it's when you're a teenager and which you, uh, yeah. which track do you feel sums up which doors track do you feel sums up your personal teenage angst oh I don't know really there's there's loads of great great songs. I mean, I know, I'm, I'm not I'm st- not asking which is the best. I'm asking which one sums up your personal. I know. I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to buy myself some time. I'm thinking I don't know. <laughs> I should, should have foreseen this question. Um, you see, what's happened, right? Is you've not made me research anything, and you've just made me host, which means I'm just gonna aim to make both of your lives as difficult as possible. <laughs> All right, I think I, think I can pe- see that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with People Are Strange because oh, that's gonna be mine. Yeah, that's that's definitely. That's definitely the one I think, because I, I was I, I wasn't I wasn't one of the popular kids at school. Um, Shocker. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't mean yeah. it. I didn't so mean it. I, was, I, love I you, was really. kind of the grungy on the outside sort of thing. I actually think Jim Morrison had quite a tragic life. I don't know why I'm surprised about this, given his kind of addictions and things like this. It sort of comes from somewhere, doesn't it? Um, when you look at his lyrics and just everything about him really um but a little bit of background from him his dad was in the military and they moved around a lot so he was born in florida spent his early days in san diego then moved to virginia then lived in texas then in new mexico and that was all before starting high school right and then he started high school in california and then headed back to virginia before he even finished so you know, I think kind of making friends and having any sort of sense of home is is one thing with with that. Although I know a lot of kids travel around and that doesn't necessarily mean they're from a troubled home or anything. But, um, you know, Jim Morrison as a child witnesses this kind of horrific car accident in the desert as they're driving somewhere and uh, there's dead people on on the road and all of this and apparently this was something that really impacted him um and that was in sort of 1947 so he as i say like allegedly witnessed this truck that had overturned and some native americans were lying kind of injured on the the road and he kind of tells this story and and it affected a lot of his writing, like Peace Frog is about that, and the album Morrison Hotel, the spoken word performances of Dawn's Highway and Ghost Song were all referencing this. Um, and, and he talked about it a lot in interviews as well. But then when his family talk about it, they kind of say, well, there was this accident, but there was someone standing at the side of the road crying, like it's not as he tells it at all and that's what I found really interesting with Jim Morrison is that this kind of um 
these stories pop up and it's really hard to tell whether they're true or fiction mm. or exaggerated versions of the truth um there's there's like a lot of a lot of that throughout which i'm not i'm not going to go into all of it because i want to talk about the trashy conspiracy stuff really <laughs> i think but, with, um, i think with a memory like that of like the accident though yeah it could be that he unintentionally exaggerated it right like i think if you if you yeah. experience something like that as a kid then you do tend to exaggerate it in your mind yeah but then also interestingly there there could be an agenda for why his family also say that he exaggerated mm. what had actually happened so you know he was quite a nervous child and who who'd wet the bed and it was reported that his mother would force him to sleep in the wet sheets as punishment so he would feel shamed of what he'd done and his father was also incredibly strict and that whole kind of dressing down military kind of you know way of bringing up kids and Jim Morrison apparently confided in his lawyer that his father had sexually assaulted him and that he'd never forgiven his mother for um, allowing it to to happen but his mother and his family just basically say this stuff is not true but then you know you have to question that why he kind of disowned his family at an early age so when he went to university he told his his bandmates that he was an orphan um and also when he signed to Electra his record label in the biography he'd said that his parents were dead I mean they weren't they weren't dead um neither were his siblings like none of that was mentioned and his family had no idea that he was even in a band until like a, a a friend of the family saw the debut album so I was like oh my god that's Jim right so you know oh. then told his family but then his dad wrote him this like really scathing letter saying you know how disappointed he was in his career choice and it was a waste of time and, and all of this so I think you kind of get a bit of a, a picture of of that family life and the last time Jim Morrison ever saw his mother was at a a Doors performance at the Washington Hilton in 1967. He booked his mum and one of his siblings seats in the front row. And during the song The End, Morrison then sort of fixed himself on his mother during the sort of climatic mother, I want to fuck you line. Um, and then he always, he talks about like wanting to kill his dad and stuff like that. And then, and then basically she wanted to go backstage and see him and he refused and she left the gig crying and he never spoke to her again so it was almost like a kind of you know you embarrassed me I'm going to embarrass you type yeah thing you made me feel shame now how does that feel um I'm ad-libbing there but that's what I imagine <laughs> no, that's 100% that, how the conversation went no doubt well exactly it. do you know what I mean um, <laughs> um but yeah he's but again about like I mentioned before that he he kind of ha- lived in a sort of fantasy world to a degree and um i kind of wanted to go down the route of you know maybe the number of times he'd been arrested and what he'd been arrested for but those stories are just oh he was drunk again and said something shit to someone and whatever but but this one was a little bit just not a little bit a lot disturbing so um in 1966 he was charged with sexual assault and this was he'd basically gone on a road trip with some friends and they brought a young girl and apparently he forced this girl to kiss him. She was 14 years old. It doesn't really go into much more detail than that, but obviously she went to the police and pressed charges about it. Um, But during that incident, 
he also claimed that he he killed one of his classmates that was on that road trip, a guy called Oleno, um, and that he'd buried him in the desert to the point this boy had actually gone missing and his dad heard this story and then sent the police to Jim Morrison's way and it was only when his classmate showed up that the charges were dropped. It's just a really fucked up thing to lie about. Do you know what I mean? Um, so again, it's that kind of... He's, he's in this really, really dark place, which is part fantasy world or part just inspired by things that happened in his, his younger years. But, um, yeah, so he's a bit of a sort of storyteller in a dark and macabre way. He liked to play games where he would have someone sitting in the death seat in his car and drive, you know, the wrong way down an alley or on a freeway to scare his passenger you know so he kind of had this kind of obsession with death and and fear and living on the edge and you know anyway so the bit that i'm actually going to talk about which is really short now is um, (laughs) (laughs) the mystery of jim morrison's death and the theories around it of which i've kind of you know cut them down into little points so i'm not going to go on forever about it but Yes, Carrie, I do say. I do say. Let's see if I stick to my word. But uh, yeah, we know he died in Paris in 1971. um, And he was with his girlfriend, Pamela. Um, Now, you know, there's lots of um, details around what actually happened and what's what's true. But I think the the, paragraph from an article I'm going to read, because I think it really sort of sums it up. And this was taken from performingsongwriter.com which is a really great article, and I'll put that in the show links. But it says, so, um, Paris, July 2nd, 1971, early evening. Jim Morrison and his girlfriend Pamela went to the cinema to see Pursued, a Western starring uh, Robert Mitchum. At another theatre, Jim Morrison sat alone watching a documentary called Death Valley. Across town at a rock and roll circus nightclub, Jim Morrison scored some heroin and OD'd in the bathroom. At the same time, Jim Morrison walked the streets of Paris and shot up with some junkies on Skid Row. Meanwhile, he was also at an airport boarding a plane to an unknown destination. This is all the stories that came out of what actually happened that evening. Right. Right. Um, So what is the truth? Um, Mm. So no one actually knows for sure how 27-year-old Jim um, died. Well, no, they they do kind of know that, but there was no autopsy so that's why there was another like, like a lot of mystery around this but they don't really know what happened that evening um but by the next morning one thing was certain he was dead or was he <laughs> here we go <laughs> but i mean it's, it's quite tragic because his downfall began in 1969 at a concert in florida where he was accused of exposing his gen- genitals basically in front of the audience he was off his face and just basically whipped it out, politely put by me. Um, <laughs> As you do. Yeah, exactly. So afterwards, he was convicted of indecent exposure and profanity, and it kind of led to loads of promoters just basically cancelling the band's tour because they just didn't want him there. And it wasn't just that incident because he'd had a lot of... I mean, apparently on one show, he didn't even get on stage at all to sing, clearly having some sort of breakdown. And he was only 27... By the time he'd kind of fallen out with his bandmates and fled Hollywood for Paris, um, he was bloated, bearded, and his addictions were completely out of control. Um, although, were they ever really in control? 
you know, from day one, the doors, that was like very much the lifestyle. Um, anyway, the point of going to Paris um, was what he said was to actually clean up his act and get into music. Although some sources say he never had any intention of ever doing anything again with the doors. But um, certainly, I don't know, change of scene thought, you know, it would help him in some way. So here are the different versions of what could have happened that night. So they went to the cinema and after the cinema, Pamela and Jim returned to the apartment. Pamela goes to bed while Jim stays up listening to old Doors albums and probably feeling quite pissed off about things. Um, he claims, uh, he claims, he complains even to Pamela, but he's not feeling well. Um, he vomited a small amount of blood. Pamela suggests calling a doctor, but instead Jim opts for having a bath, as you do. It's the same thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> Pamela heads back to bed and last thing she remembers is hearing Jim say, are you there, Pam? Are you there? Um, she wakes up at just after 6am and notices that Jim isn't in bed. She heads into the bathroom and finds him submerged in water, but he's got a smile on his face, so she doesn't actually believe he's dead. She thinks he's playing like some sort of sick joke on, on her, but obviously he is dead and she, yeah, she calls for an ambulance. Um, so that's obviously one version, which has obviously come from her, is yeah. what happened. Very kind of, mm-hmm. we just went to the cinema, we ordered pizza, we didn't do anything naughty. Um, <laughs> So another version of this, uh, which is an alternative version, is that Pamela had been doing heroin and lied to Jim saying it was coke because he's actually known to have always been terrified of needles. So he never shot up, but like, you know, snorting coke and whatever, and you can snort heroin. So basically she cut heroin and they, that's what they did um, that evening. But um, that summer, there'd been a potent version of the drug um, doing its rounds called China White that was particularly strong. Jim took it, felt sick, took a bath and had a heart attack and died. And uh, this was while Pamela was just sort of out for the count. Right. So, I mean, that sounds quite... Sounds well, plausible. I, I'll, I'll read them all out and then mm. you can decide the truth or make up your own version. We can, we, we can vote for <laughs> which story we believe. My favourite is he faked his own death. Of course he did. Um, Because Jim had often joked about faking his own death and even said that when he was going to Paris, that's what he was going to do. Um, And there's been many sightings of him. Uh, He's still alive. Yeah. This is my favourite too. (laughs) No, no, no. In in a past episode, I talk about conspiracies. One of them covers this bit. And there's this guy on YouTube who's found this, this kind of homeless person who has beard basically <laughs> and it's I, I, I need and, no other evidence <laughs> and no no but he keeps saying you know you're Jim Morrison this guy gets pissed off he's like I'm not he's like yeah he's in denial it's like because isn't him it isn't <laughs> oh, him really? but yeah anyway uh, I'll put links again to in the show notes to that one so uh people can reacquaint themselves with that ridiculous story um but yeah, in 2016, it was claimed he was alive and well and living in New York, basically, under the name of William. See, there you go. And it looks just like an older version of Jim Morrison. Um, but other versions of this is that he kind of escaped the grave to become other things. So he's now a captain of industry 
So he was really into like the stock market uh-huh. and investing. But obviously, that's not very Jim Morrison. So to fake his death to do that, <laughs> so um, so he basically I mean, it would make sense. So so he faked his death to be more conservative, basically. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Interesting theory. And he put, Interesting theory. And he voted I like for it. Trump, and uh, yeah, uh, that's not true. Um, <laughs> he he he's a desert island recluse. So I could see that. I could yeah, see that. I could believe he's, in that. He's on a he's on an island somewhere. Um, and and then also he's a CIA operative. Of course he is. Which I think is the most unlikely i mean of course it's the most unlikely thing <laughs> but given given the amount of times he was arrested and his kind of anti-establishment um views <laughs> i don't think captain of industry or cia operative are really something he'd, he'd do probably not what do you think he would do what do i think he would do yeah. what if he faked his own death what would he be doing yeah what would he what would he if become? he was still around mm. Mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it does. If he's gonna, maybe it does make sense if he's gonna fake his death that it would be to go the to- total opposite way and to like go straight. Maybe that does make sense. I think he just wanted to write pop songs and was embarrassed about it, and uh, yeah, he moved to Europe and wrote Euro, Euro trash. Yeah, he's actually like the songwriter behind like all of like pop's biggest tunes now. Wickfield, Saturday Night, you know, all of that. That's I like that's that. Him. I like that version. Yeah. Maybe he yeah. just sits on an, an island writing all these pop tracks. <laughs> on the back of po- coconuts or something. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. There's, there's, there's basically just him and like all of the other pop stars who, pop and rock stars who people claim have faked their own death, you know, like Michael Jackson and all of them. They're all just like on an island together pumping out pop songs. Hating every minute of it. Yeah. To be so competitive, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. But there's also, because there was a lack of an autopsy, some people believe that Jim Morrison was murdered. Um, Marianne Faithful said her boyfriend was responsible for um, Jim Morrison's death. Um, he was a, a drug dealer. Basically, she said in an interview with Mojo, she claimed that her drug dealing boyfriend basically gave Jim Morrison the, the drugs that evening that killed him. Um, and that was basically, yeah, um, a view uh, whether that's true or not, who knows? But I wouldn't say that was murder. Um, but yeah, Jim Jim Morrison actually died nine months after Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. So one conspiracy theory claims that there was a CIA, CIA I have to pop up again CIA operation mm-hmm. to assassinate popular counterculture musicians in the sixties because they were just causing too much trouble. Well, I have heard that myself as well. Well, you know, the CIA, yeah. well, like in all the stuff we've done of like looking at where the FBI and the CIA and stuff do become way too involved in pop music, like the investigation into Louie Louie. And... They don't really do anything. They sit there and go... Well, maybe that's what they want us to think. Mm, <laughs> true, true, true. Um, another, another theory, and this is the last one, last one, right, is that he didn't actually die in his apartment. His body was moved. Um, so basically, one of Jim's friends claimed he didn't actually die in the apartment and his body was moved. I just literally read that sentence out and then read it again. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> you did, that you is what happened. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat here. I thought you were just building up. Like, I thought you were going to like say it a few times and then, like, you know, break with the, the kind like, of punchline. Like, like the Paul McCartney one where I had to keep saying he was decapitated. 
<laughs> said that about five times in the space of 30 seconds. But, um, yeah, so Sam Burnett um, says that Jim died in the bathroom of the Rock and Roll Circus Club, which Sam was the manager of. He said Jim showed up at the club looking to buy heroin and took it into the bathroom, which he never came out of. According to Sam, Jim's dealers wanted to cover up his death, so they took him back to the flat where Pam found him hours later. Um, Sam told Associated Press in 2014, the flamboyant singer of the Doors, the beautiful California boy, had become an inert lump crumpled in the toilet of a nightclub. He said it was a very, very bad memory. I will never forget that night. So, yeah. like, why would you lie about that? Yeah, and I don't think it would be that easy to move him. Yeah, but why would you lie about, you know, oh, he died in the club and then... I had to move it. Like mm, what? Yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. To what, what end was? Would would yeah. that? But then I suppose it's good press for the. the well, it's not good press. It's press, and yeah. people, you know, the morbid fans out there are going to go to, you know, go to the bathroom where apparently. Yeah, that's true. Jim, Jim Morrison died. I suppose. Oh yeah. Could could be mixed with all of these things. So the CIA spiked some drugs, gave them to Marianne Faithful's boyfriend. To sell to Jimi Hendrix, who is in a not Jimi Hendrix, did it again. <laughs> Jim Morrison. They were supposed to take out Jimi Hendrix, but he was all, but he was already dead. So they thought, well, we'd have to find another Jim. Jim Morrison. <laughs> all Jims are into what, what am I trying to say? In why interchangeable? All Jims, all Jims are interchangeable. Right. There we go. Interchangeable. Oh my yes. god, that was painful. Mm. Well, there you go. That was so. What do you think was was true from that, if anything? I think the truth is probably the second story. Yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, <laughs> from those uh, from those really interesting things about Jim Morrison and the Doors. Basically, my plan was to find like some interesting facts about the Doors to to pepper in. But when I googled it, one of the things that came up was just facts about Doors. <laughs> which I very interesting still. decided was infinitely more interesting and therefore stopped trying to do research on anything that we were going to be talking about today and just collected some facts about doors. So would you like to hear some? Go for it. Go on. Mm-hmm. I've got quite a lot. I feel like I've got too many. I'm going to try and pick the... the... How, how many is too many? Well, there were like 20 and I got it down oh, to like Kerry. seven. But okay. those seven are still not very interesting if I'm being totally honest. Um, okay. Let's go with, did you know that January was named after the God of Doors? What? What? So. <laughs> no. So. But di- the God of Doors? Yeah. So. Oh, what, ja- could, you, could you imagine? I mean, that, what a shit title. God, <laughs> so the God of Doors. So Janus, no idea if that's how you pronounce it, but it is now. Janus was known as the Roman god of be- beginnings, endings, doors. At- Janus? Doors at- <laughs> Not Janus. Like Janus with a U. Oh, okay. <laughs> or Janus. Why not? It's Janus now. Um, I was going to say. The god of beginnings, endings, doors, and transition transitions. So to honour him, Romans built their doors to swing into their homes to welcome Janus and their guests in. So that's why doors open inwards, apparently. Um, and January, yeah, was named after the god of doors to symbolise the first month as the month of beginnings and openings. Although, interestingly, in my flat, the door has been put on backwards. So the door opens <laughs> outwards. 
which is really <laughs> your door put on by someone called Janice. <laughs> Maybe, which is really annoying. But also to make it even more interesting, another fact that I found, which I now can't find. Where is it? So if a Roman did his country a great service, he was honoured with a door opening outwards, symbolising his help to the empire. What's a shit bonus? So if anything, <laughs> I, I'm just being honoured for my great service to the country. God, you'd be really annoyed. <laughs> good, good. Exactly. You'd be really annoyed, wouldn't you? If that was... Or well, suppose maybe maybe people didn't have doors as such. So having a door was like... Maybe, who knows. How old do you think the oldest door is? <laughs> oh, oh, no. You know what? probably really old because i went to pompeii and they've still got like wooden shutters and i can't remember if they still had any of the original sort of doors that preserved because of the the mm. volcano ash well you put a number um, on it shit oh, gosh this is going to show my bad knowledge of history where i go Same. 1994 no <laughs> 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 um i don't know was that god say a number any number how many years old thousand years any advance on a thousand eighth century bc i don't have it i don't have a date i have a number of years old angela's just saying (laughs) i'll tell you what holly said a thousand it's more than a thousand what do you want to go for yeah let's let's go with let's go with that one sorry (laughs) the oldest door is thought to be five thousand one hundred years old what it was excavated in zurich and was aged by the tree rings in the wood. Okay, last one. Mm. How how big do you think the world's largest door is? <laughs> that is a very interesting question. I've got just so I've got the answer is in feet, and it's how high it is. So how how many feet high do you think the largest door in the world is? Ooh, is could it the Queen's front door? It is not the Queen's front door. <laughs> Well, it could could be pretty large, couldn't it? Because it depends if you're, you know, like those big old temple things. I mean, does it actually, I suppose it depends what you're defining as, as a door. Is it a wooden door we're talking about? It's, or a, is good, it... it's a good question. Um, a drawbridge, does that count as a door? Yeah, something, yeah, exactly, something that opens. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I'm going to say 20 foot. Okay, any advance on, any advance on 20 foot? I'm going to put it out there. 45 foot. <laughs> <laughs> You're both... My front door. <laughs> you are both wrong. So apparently, according to this fact, uh, the world's largest door is 465 feet high and what? takes and takes What? And takes 45 minutes to open or close. And you'll find it at NASA Vehicle Assembly... Uh, uh, you'll find it at the NASA Vehicle Assembly Building at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Whoa. That's, that's a big door. I did not see that. Coming. Well, I guess it's probably a door that you can like get a rocket in and out of. No, it's just, it's just for someone important. <laughs> <laughs> Size is everything. Um, uh, so yeah, that's it. Like, those, those are my facts about doors. Way <laughs> well done, Kerry. I, I, feel, I feel educated. <laughs> I think that we all feel enlightened and enriched. Um, I'm going to follow that up with some new music. I reckon. Woohoo! Uh, so I made this is a new band that I discovered the first time this week, which is exciting. Uh, and they are called Atom by Atom. 
and this is their song Heaven.
So that was Heaven by Atom by Atom. Um, so they are a four-piece band formed in London in 2017 with musicians from Argentina, England and France. Um, they began working on original material for their EPs Dirty Bag and Dead and Delicious. And this song Heaven is off of Dead and Delicious. Um, and yeah, I'm a massive fan. What did you guys think? Well, there was never a dull, never a dull moment in that, was there? I mean, from it started and then it just took a really unexpected turn. And then kind of felt it kept doing that. But that's not in like a bad way. Like every bit was actually dead exciting and really cool and had its mm. own little catchy bits and really unique as well. So, yeah, but all kind of worked together. So that's 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 really like a good example of good writing. Right. Yeah, know? totally. Good, no, that was why I picked pattern. that song. I really like the fact it kind of doesn't have a standard structure. And I really like mm-hmm. the way the song sort of developed throughout the whole song. And kind of takes you on this journey but it doesn't do it in a way that feels really left field it still feels like a really catchy song with like hooks that grab you in like on the guitar and i really like the vibe yeah the, ma- the guitar is massive <clears throat> yeah that it's massive really, really, really up front guitar um yeah. and uh yeah i really like the sort of vibe of the lead vocals and backing vocals like call and response kind yeah. of thing they've got going on in that song um yeah i love that so yeah keep your keep your eye out because they've got new singles being released this month so um, okay. uh, they've got sort of like a double release of um, songs, Headlights and M-, M is for Moscow, which are going to be coming out very, very soon. So make sure that you find them on socials. We'll post links um, and check them out because they're great. Keep your eye out. That's a funny saying, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> take it, put, it on, put it on a self-esteem, like, hold it around so you yeah, can see. Basically just take one eye out and position it, looking at <laughs> look, 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 your computer on their socials and then you can go about your daily life and you won't miss it yep. when it happens yeah keep keep your eyes peeled is also that's horrible isn't it it's like you cut your eyelids off all i think of when nice. you say that is peeling a lychee mm. <laughs> yes yes oh that's veal an eye <laughs> it's about the closest thing that i can imagine to it it's horrible. We need to look at the origins of these sayings. It might be just quite freaky. We'll, we'll say. I feel like we've, you know, we've we've had a lot of information about doors today. We can maybe uh, we can say we can save the origin of these sayings for next time. Okay, I'm already excited for it. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's move swiftly on. Uh, Holly, it is your moment to enlighten us oh. about the life and work of Jimi Hendrix. Well, so I, I am worried that this may just come across as me sort of reading out a biography, but going through Hendrix's kind of career and everything, I just feel like you just have to talk about sort of every aspect of it because it was it's just amazing when you actually read about what he actually had to go through and how it, how quickly it all happened. So <laughs> please feel free to pipe it's in. It's true, isn't it? His career was actually quite short, I think. Four years. Only four years. He achieved, yeah, crazy amounts of things. So I've done, I didn't want to focus on too much of his childhood because I felt like I'd start more with the career stuff. Um, yeah. But he had a terrible childhood, um, which, yeah, if you want to read more about that, then check out his brother's book, Leon Hendricks. Um, I think it's called like a brother's story or something. Okay. Um, but yes, I'm sorry. I'll get no, no, that's good. That's a good. Difference. I was just, I was just thinking how you've already done better than Angela normally does. Does who starts with they were born on this date. I, d- I did not oh, do that's that. Coming. I started. I talked about you know him being three, so I skipped the first three years. You did so <laughs> only the first three. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I start right on. You know, this is this is the when when he was born. Um, but yeah, go for it. Okie dokie. Okay. Um, so 
As we all know, Jimi Hendrix was an American musician, singer and songwriter. Although his mainstream career spanned only four years, he's widely regarded as one of the most influential electric guitarists in the history of popular music and one of the most celebrated musicians of the 20th century. Jimi Hendrix was born Johnny, Johnny Allen Hendrix on November the 27th, 1942 in Seattle, Washington. His dad later changed his name to James Marshall Hendrix. His family were very poor and he had a difficult childhood with his mum often absent and his dad working endlessly trying to get by. Him and his brother Leon were mostly raised by kind neighbours and their grandma. Growing up, Hendrix was introverted and withdrawn. Uh, his dad recalls that he would ask Hendrix to sweep the bedroom floor and he would sit on the end of the bed strumming the broom for hours as if it was a guitar. That's cute. Age- yeah, it's quite cute. But yeah, it's kind of a... We've all been there. I have a, there is there is a video of me as a baby with like, I don't know, two bits of plastic or something, but somewhat like hitting them together that I like to point out and go, see, I was always going to be a drummer. <laughs> I like that. Although I didn't actually play drums until I was like 11. So. <laughs> oh, well, you're not far off Hendrix. He got his first guitar when he was 12. Oh, well, there you go. Cool. Um, so yes, he was. Uh, he played it upside down. Um, he learned to play upside down because he was left-handed. Although he swapped to play right-handed whenever his whenever his dad was around. Um, so Hendrix got into a bit of trouble, riding in stolen cars when he was nineteen, and was given an ultimatum: either he could join the army or go to prison. So he joined the hundred and first airborne, but he was only there for thirteen months because he was honorably discharged after hurting his ankle in a parachute accident. I never knew that he was in the army. No, I didn't know yeah. that either. Interesting. I know. I think that is one of the things that people don't. Um, it doesn't seem to be. I think it's probably just because he was only there for thirteen months. I mean. Yeah, but even so, I, you would have thought. I still, don't know. You, he's someone you think you know so much about. You would have thought. I don't know. I'm just surprised they didn't know. Uh, well, this is it. This is a. Uh, <laughs> I've got his whole life here. <laughs> <laughs> Expect more interesting facts. <laughs> By the time you're done, um, I will know it all. Oh yes. <laughs> Um, So his main passion had obviously always been guitar and music. Um, So after the army, he um, started performing as a backing musician for Ike and Tina Turner, the Isley Brothers and Little Richard. Um, So he was doing fairly well as a backing musician. Um, He also fronted his own band called Jimmy James and the Blue Flames. Um, So one night, Linda Keith, who was Richard Keith's... uh, Sorry, Richard Keith's. Keith Richard's girlfriend. (laughs) Good old Richard Keith. Richard Keith. Keith Richards' girlfriend at the time uh, spotted Hendrix playing in a club in New York um, and told the managers of the Rolling Stones about him. Um, Andrew Oldham and Tony Calder went to watch Hendrix but decided there was nothing special here and passed. Hmm, I bet they regret that. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So she then told Chaz Chandler, the bass player from The Animals, about him. Um, Chaz was looking for his first venture into management and wanted to find an act to cover the Tim Rose song, Hey Joe. Uh, so Chaz went with Linda Keith to see Hendrix for the first time, and his opening song was Hey Joe, and Chaz was blown away. Amazing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, he hadn't managed to make an impact in America, so Chaz decided to, uh, he would fly Hendrix to London. So he sold his bass guitars and borrowed money and brought Hendrix to London on a huge gamble. It's pretty pretty nice of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> good manager. Uh, so 1966 was an extremely exciting time to be in London and Chaz started taking Hendrix round the club scene to show him off. Hendrix was extremely gutsy and had met Jack Bruce in a club and asked if he could sit in and jam with the cream. He jumped on stage and played two blues numbers with his drivey electric sound and Eric Clapton was stunned. No one had ever asked to jam with the cream before and this guy was totally unknown. 
you could just couldn't yeah. imagine that happening now like me going up to St Vincent again can I come on stage with you fuck off <laughs> <laughs> I know it's mad reading about researching all, all of this I'm just like god that would never happen and the next bit that's about to happen is completely mental um one moment, I'll just get back to my uh, <laughs> uh, building. Just yep. building the suspense, Holly. <laughs> building, building this huge essay, though. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hendrix went up against all of the greats at the time, including Pete Townsend and Jeff Beck, and two industry guys who were really impressed um, on seeing him play were Kit Lambert and Chris Stamp, the managers of the Who. And they asked Chaz if they could produce Hendrix's debut album, but Chaz already had plans to produce it himself. So then they asked if he had a label. Um, he didn't, so that night they made track records just so they could release Hendrix's music. They drew up a deal on a beer mat and Hendrix signed that evening. He didn't even have a band yet. <laughs> Jesus. Is that, is that how your record deal came about as well? Yes. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> yep, they just, they just made extra mile recordings just because they just loved our music so much exactly. that they just had to. <laughs> And then, uh, yep, so auditions for Hendrix's band were held and they found drummer Mitch Mitchell and bassist Noel Redding. Noel had originally turned up to try out as a guitarist for the Animals, but Hendrix liked his haircut and asked him to join his band. <laughs> I love that and that was the reasoning. <laughs> that's it, you know? I, I, like your, I like your bouffant, come and join my band. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that that's the reason that you've both wanted me and your bands at, at certain it's points. It's the hair, Kerry. It's, it's the hair. The woman with the hair. <laughs> That's that, Kerry. That's it. Although I was cruelly, we were cruelly uh, ignored. When we, <laughs> no, I've got no memory of it. I'm very sorry. Um, so yeah, from <laughs> I can't tell if that siren is coming from my earphones. Or no, that's coming from the road outside my flat. <laughs> Kerry, what did you do? Um... <laughs> So yes, The Experience released their debut album on May the 12th, 1967. Um, they recorded The Wind Cries Mary in 20 minutes and they were pioneering with their experiments in the studio, including introducing the world to the Octavia pedal used on Purple Haze. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That I is pretty that cool. My research. <laughs> um, yeah, so as confident as Hendrix was playing guitar, he was very paranoid about his singing voice and wouldn't allow anyone in the studio to watch him lay down his vocals. So they put screens up because he thought he had a terrible singing voice. No, I didn't know that either. Like, it just always came across as such a kind of very confident, flamboyant yeah, person in a way. And no just, no. I hated his voice so much. No. Yeah. Sad, really, because I love his voice. Well, yeah, it's, it's really unique. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so the album's now regarded as one of the most impressive debut albums ever and spent 33 weeks in the charts and was only kept off the top spot by the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, yeah, which is not a bad band to lose out on, I guess. What, a, one spot. what a year for music, that album coming out and Jimi Hendrix. Like... I know, I was, I was just thinking, God, what an amazing time for music <laughs> that was. Uh, so yeah, pretty much... Uh, they were exploding and many of the big names in the music, music industry were now backing Hendrix at this point. Eric Clapton said that he brought the blues boom back to life after London was heading into a heavy soul period. And Paul McCartney put them forward to the organisers of the Monterey Pop Festival, which was a huge deal. So Monterey was the launch pad for Hendrix in America. Um, even though he was American, he, had, he hadn't had a big break there yet. Um, so there's a, a funny story, which I thought I'd just include. Uh, apparently, Jimmy and The Who were arguing backstage about who would headline... 
Um, so the Who said, you know, there's absolutely no way that we're going to follow follow you hmm. on. And Hendrix said, well, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not following you guys on. And so Pete, Pete Townsend said, you know, he just said, no, we're not following you on. And then Hendrix apparently had a sort of certain look in his eye, stood up on a chair in front of, I think Janis Joplin was there, a few other musicians backstage, and played some amazing guitar just standing on a chair in the dressing room. Um, and he looked... Pete Townsend dead in the eye and said, if I follow you guys on, I'm going to pull out all the stops. And he did, basically. Uh, he played the combined English and American national anthems. He set fire to his guitar and sacrificed it, played with his teeth, behind his head, behind his back, and completely stole the show. Uh, the crowd were running up and down the aisle, screaming, not sure what they just witnessed. Overnight, they became superstars on both sides of the Atlantic. I, I really like that story. I like the the fact of rather than them being you know these two egotistical bands being like no no i'm gonna headline that it was the you know them both sort of being humble and, and not wanting to follow the other one um and then another thing about that is it's one of those um kind of false facts that people always assume that he set the guitar on fire at woodstock but he didn't it was monterey it's like one of those things that people yeah. usually get wrong in quizzes and stuff it absolutely is absolutely yeah and uh well, yeah, he was pulling out all the stops, as he told Pete Townsend. And he did not lie. <laughs> so, yes, uh, released only seven months after their debut album was their next album, Axis Boulder's Love, uh, which sold immensely. And for many of his fans, they considered this as his last great rock album before his move into more spiritual music. Um, so Hendrix now moved to New York to work on the band's next album, Electric Ladyland. And when the album was released in 1968, it went straight to number one in the US and UK charts. Uh, so the band were now, obviously huge 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 and playing arenas and doing exceptionally well um noel redding's last show with them was in denver Thirty-five thousand people tried to storm the stage and he remembers it as a terrifying experience the band escaped into a rented van and people were crawling all over the van and the roof started caving in they managed to escape uh with people still hanging on uh, it'd become a bit too much for noel redding at that point so he told the band the next day you know i just can't handle this anymore and he was out I mean, that does sound absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it sounds pretty horrendous. Yeah, so after that, uh, there had been talk of Hendrix expanding the band. Um, he was getting tired of their sound, and he really, at this point, wasn't too bothered about how commercially viable the music was, um, and getting into the charts was no longer a priority. Um, so he just wanted to reach people spiritually and reach, reach people's souls. But frustrated by his new direction, uh, Chaz Chandler sold his management share of Hendrix to Mike Jeffries. Uh, so 1969, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Hendrix had been asked to headline Woodstock and uh, he recruited a couple of army buddies, uh, Billy Cox on bass and Larry Lee on guitar and also Juno, Juma Sultan on percussion and Congo player Jerry Velez. Uh, and he called this new band Gypsy Sun and Rainbows. Mitch Mitchell travelled to Woodstock to jam with them, uh, but he actually felt they couldn't get it together musically. He wasn't a big fan of the new members. Um, however, they played the festival and of course it was incredible. But unfortunately, as we were saying earlier, the festival organization was a bit chaotic and it was running so far behind. The band ended up going on at 9am on Monday morning instead of the headline spot the night before where they were meant to be. Um, but the show apparently was still as mesmerizing as ever and included a full version of the Star Spangled Banner. I'll crack on. Um, <laughs> Hendrix's next lineup was called The Band of Gypsies. Please feel free to stop me at any point if I'm going No, you're, I'm loving it. Keep going. <laughs> He just did so much in just these short four years. 
Um, so this band comprised of Billy Cox on bass and Buddy Miles on drums. They played two nights at the Fillmore East, where they recorded the now very famous live album Band of Gypsies. Um, these performances gave Hendrix the opportunity to showcase new material and fulfil a contractual obligation to the record producer, Ed Chalpin, uh, which had been causing Hendrix pro- problems for years, freezing his royalties and crazy stuff because Hendrix had basically signed any contract that came his way and he was now, you know, feeling that, unfortunately. It's mm. all, it all gone a bit wrong at that point with uh, with this contract. Um, I feel like, it's, a, I feel like yeah. it's such a theme of artists and bands of that time, well, maybe even now, but I think especially then, just people really getting taken advantage of and signing onto contracts yeah. and things that just totally wrecked them, really. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yes, so Hendrix had now fully decided to leave his persona behind, playing with his teeth and setting his guitar on fire no longer interested him. Uh, he wanted to be taken seriously as a musician and told the Rolling Stone in 1969, I don't want to be a clown anymore, I don't want to be a rock and roll star. An article in Louder Sound said, beyond personal reinvention, Jimmy was now out to reshape the very nature of the rock concert. He hit the stage without a set list, spontaneously calling out tunes to Miles and Cox, often making time and tempo changes on the fly, conducting them with a head nod or raising of his guitar neck. It was more like a jazz gig at the Blue Note than a big rock show at the Fillmore. Uh, Many do regard Jimmy's time in the Band of Gypsies as producing some of his best work. However, Hendrix's management were piling on pressure for him to reform the experience. And for the Isle of Wight Festival, he had Mitch Mitchell back on drums and Billy Cox on bass. They played the Isle of Wight in this lineup and called themselves the Blue Wild Angel, playing classic tracks from the experience and some newer ones to over 600,000 people. And this was Hendrix's last UK performance before he died three weeks later. God, amazing. Yes. I do do a little bit about his death. I mean, you really just could go on and on. It's just, as, yeah. as with Jim Morrison, the theories are just, you know. Have you got, have you got some of them there? Well, I've sort of tried to condense it down slightly as I felt like it was getting <laughs> like a dissertation. <laughs> I, n- I need to learn from And from I will Holly. be submitting this as an MA. <laughs> I think that you should. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hendrix died aged 27 on September the 18th, 1970 in his London hotel room. There are many mysteries surrounding his death. After the inquest, the coroner cited inhalation of vomit and barbiturate intoxication as the cause of death but later studies found that his death was apparently due to drowning in large amounts of red wine. Many tabloids ran with the story that Hendrix died of a heroin overdose, which is untrue. Many felt Hendrix's increasing interest and support for the Black Panther movement made him a target, and there are theories that his girlfriend at the time, Monica Danneman, or manager Mike Jeffries, were involved in his death. Jeffries was apparently stealing money from him him, and had a $2 million life insurance policy out on Hendrix's life. Wow. Mike Jeffries died under suspicious circumstances in a plane crash in 1973, and Monica Danneman died of an alleged suicide of a carbon monoxide poisoning in 1995, just days before she was supposed to go on the air to discuss and tell the truth about the very strange circumstances surrounding Jimmy's death. Ooh. There's a lot about her um, and the account that she gave at the time mm. um, to do with the fact that she said, you know, she rang the ambulance, uh, she rang the for the ambulance uh, people to come and they came and he was unconscious and they travelled, she travelled with him to the hospital and then he died there. But actually um, it's Kathy Etchingham, one of Hendrix's ex-girlfriends um, did loads of, did like a massive research into it and found out and found these ambulance guys and they said that 
she wasn't there when they arrived and Hendrix had been dead seven hours. Right. So she had basically mm. lied mm. on her statement. That is strange. But then also you wonder whether, you know, like with the Jim Morrison thing, do people make up stories around to make to make there be this kind of mystery and selling their story yeah. and then there's a book deal and then there's, you know, interviews with such and such person and yeah, like yeah. is it yeah, I don't know, I, just just people again trying to make make some money out of something quite tragic. I also I'm I I feel confused about how he would have drowned in red wine. So basically that's what um, one <laughs> well, of the conspiracy theories is that they held his head back and poured oh, wine see. into his system. Oh, okay. right, okay. Yeah, well, I should have explained that. I felt by this point it was getting quite long. No, that's okay. I, I felt <laughs> um, like me and Angela both had a very confused look at that moment well, and I wanted to follow up. I, I just had a vision of, like Jim Morrison, but it was a bath of red wine. That was what I was imagining. <laughs> I was imagining <laughs> exactly said, the same thing. <laughs> they said maybe it was a sink. Um, but they, they basically that's the thing his system had just been drowned in red wine um, and he was choking on his own vomit but the coroner sort of left the red wine bit out and sort of just said you know he'd taken these sleeping tablets and choked on his own vomit and but actually it was this red wine in his system that just apparently in the in the sort of um, post-mortem it just came gushing out really for a bit of a graphic how bizarre that's well, no, Kerry, the, I told you yeah. about that um, true crime thing where there was this serial killer and how he killed people was by getting them drunk, right? Um, so they died of like alcohol poisoning. Um, but what he was obvious, when I say obvious, it's not obvious to us. That's not what we would obviously do. But so he would, <laughs> no, but he would, he would find these women and he would buy them lots of drinks and go back to his hotel room. Um, he would just keep plying them of alcohol they'd be quite drunk and pass out and then he would do exactly like what you said with the, the Jimi Hendrix thing the red ones he would open up their mouths and just pour loads of alcohol down and kill them that way um yeah. and so when the police were called or whatever it's like an accidental death but you would think that the police would get suspicious after so, he's done it like so seven the dates times. work out could Jimi Hendrix have been a victim of this serial killer I don't think so I think this was in the well, maybe, I can't remember. No, I think it was in, like, the 80s or something like that. Can I can I be honest about where my thought process went when you said about the drowning and red wine thing? I went to the bathtub full of wine thing. I was like, would he have been, why would he have been taking a, a bath in red wine? And then I went to, would I enjoy having a bath in red wine? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes. And then I was considering whether that's something I would want to do in my life. Anyway, carry on. To be fair, that's where my mind went when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know it's mad, really, when you think about it. It's what a horrendous way to die. Um, but yeah, the so yeah, that's obviously just one. That's one of the many, many theories, um, and there are so many. Um, and to be fair, I never saw a theory about him still being alive, which I was surprised about. But maybe I wasn't looking in the right place. I'm sure there's got to be one somewhere. There must be. But then do you think do you think with these so for example like his manager having life insurance policy on him I mean if someone's like you know really heavily into drugs and drinking loads do you think it's more a case if they're just waiting for them to just you know well possibly OD? yeah I mean from what I was reading that Mike Jeffries had basically um stolen well, just endless amounts of money from Hendrix. And at, at one point, he was taking 60% of his Christ. profit wow. as his management fee, you know. 
so he he just wasn't a nice guy and he had there's loads of um accounts of where he'd gave, given him some dodgy lsd and all sorts he was really trying to sabotage him um it's also pre- it's also so, yeah. pretty normal for big celebrities to have huge life insurance policies yeah mm-hmm. true true and then also like with the managers taking a huge fee it wasn't until um what's his name peter peter grant or is that the detective from rivers of love <laughs> So managed Led Zeppelin. No, but it was Led Zeppelin's manager who kind of changed the tone of what managers should get in relation to bands earning and, and sort of established the sort of standard of, no, you only get like 20%. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was quite he a legend. In it a, might seem low to yeah. us, back then it might have just been, you know, you were signing record deals on beer mats, so it was a different time. <laughs> well, yes. So, but um, but yeah, no. I mean, you know, good good conspiracies around it. And to be honest, it's like hopefully none of those conspiracies are true because that's really tragic and awful. If it's mm. in such a, I mean, it's tragic, horrendously tragic. Anyway, that someone ODs or dies, you know, before their time. It's always before your time, no matter what age. But you know, to have it in such a kind of corrupt way where you're the victim of of some other sinister plan is just is just that bit more worse so hopefully there isn't anything more to to just a tragic accident really yeah definitely definitely i agree although i do like conspiracy theories and the more ridiculous the better they are yeah i mean if anyone is into conspiracy theories um for hendrix definitely check out uh the last 24 hours and they go into it all fully there have reconstructions and all sorts cool just i'll be checking that out for sure yeah for all you conspiracy nuts there, <laughs> looking at you angela that's, that, and that's angela's weekend sorted yep just to uh, uh it's the whole thing's on youtube the whole thing's on youtube cool I, everything is on youtube everything it's is amazing like, yeah. it's an amazing place just just to like lighten the mood a little and link back to one of our very very first episodes with the Jimi hendrix fact um, in one of the, our very first episodes we did, I talked about Cynthia Plastercaster and the fact that um, Jimi Hendrix was her first celebrity penis cast that she managed to get. That's good. Why does that not surprise me at all? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just really? to link back, if you want to go and hear more about that, you can go back. So it was like one, the second episode or something that we did, I think. It was so, it was like, it was definitely one of the first five episodes. Yeah, it was way back. But um, strong start. Yeah, she uh, <laughs> her whole thing was getting uh, casting penises of rock musicians, and the first one who agreed to do it was Jimi Hendrix. I just can followed followed by Noel Redding. <laughs> so, and, then, <laughs> and if you head to Camden Market, you can get like a rainbow coloured candle in the shape of Jimi Hendrix's penis. Can you based on that? No, I don't know. Oh. I, I totally, I, I was, was totally that believing up. that then. Oh, I was, I was googling, <laughs> trying to buy one. <laughs> the it's next totally thing for Holly's sort of thing Hendrix collection. <laughs> well, the worst thing is I'm on the works computer, so. <laughs> oh, she's been googling Jimi Hendrix's penis again. It's not what you need in your in your search history. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so holly thank you so much for joining us today and i suppose you know one of the things we do with the podcast as you know is bring new music in but also if guests we like to kind of understand 
their own kind of experiences with music and looking at records that have perhaps impacted them or their yeah or not just favorite album for some random reason so what would your top three albums of all time be well oh what a question what a question um so i obviously it's got to be are you experienced Jimi hendrix experience uh and then i think i'm gonna have to go for uh khaki king and her album junior which is just her guitar work i mean it's just from the moment i discovered her music when i i can't remember how old i was maybe 12 or something it's just that album is just one of my all-time favorites and i think buzzle uh, buzzle puzzle <laughs> puzzle by biffy claro just cool for some reason, it sounded like you were going to go to, like, Basil Brush or something. <laughs> I really left I was field. on my way over. <laughs> that's my fourth choice. That's my fourth choice. <laughs> I don't know what happened there with my mouth. That, that, that's, 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 your, that's where your, yeah. uh, the influence of your comedy stylings comes from. <laughs> no, exactly. And I have his laugh as well. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, yeah, no, great, great records there. So go and listen to them, people. You heard it from Holly. Yeah. She is the authority <laughs> on all things Holly. <laughs> and I suppose, just because you, you, you're ever so cool, right? You come across as ever so cool to people. So what is your guilty pleasure music? Did you just say I'm ever so cool? That is absolutely brilliant in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, Angela, I'll you've ne- made I'll my never say that I'll, n- I'll never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the least uncool person ever. Uh, but thank you. I'll take it. Um, my, oh, guilty pleasures. Just well, there we go. I mean, it's. Whew. I think at the moment I've revisited my love for All Saints with a very big, strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, where's she going with this? Where's there, she there, going? there I am being cool. <laughs> what a brilliant place to pause there, especially after we were just talking about the rock star penis casts. <laughs> That's where my mind was. That was, <laughs> yeah. All Saints. You know, I don't even know. Are they guilty pleasure? I just don't know. They're just. I still think they're incredible. I think they're cool. They're cool. That's the thing. Oh. They 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 were edgy pop girl group, weren't they? Back then, That's they what weren't. I think you know. I just yeah. love every track. Every track is just. I'm just like this is a tune. Uh, yeah. So, what are your guilty pleasures? I'm turning oh. your own podcast back around. <laughs> <on you. laughs> um. Well. I actually remember the first CD I ever bought, which was in Woolworths in Canning Town, which is now in Iceland. Um, and it was an Erasure EP, and oh, it was yes. ABBA-esque. It was them doing covers of ABBA. What? Um, so, yeah. What? Yeah, it was, honestly, um, I, can't, I can't remember why this came to me the other day, but I was playing it to Julia, I was just like, this is the first thing I bought, actually. It's not that, but there's, there's some moments in it that are a bit questionable, but it's actually really good. But yeah, a little bit of a guilty pleasure for, you know, while everyone was into, I don't know, what they've been into, um, I don't know, at that time, Take That, maybe? I don't know. There was me listening to, not not ABBA, but Erasure doing ABBA. But they did they do it better than ABBA? No one could ever do it. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> and then, and then also steps, which I've mentioned many, many times. My love of steps. And are you going to go and see them on there? They're doing a comeback tour, aren't they? Did I see? Ba, ba, ba. It got also one of my my also loves. <laughs> I was I wasn't going to, but I kind of feel like I have to now. I feel like we need to have a, a bug eye field trip to go see steps. 
I think with we should. Oh, I think we should. I'll see. I'll see if I can get. I'll see if I can get some cheeky tickets. <laughs> Not just tickets, but cheeky I bet you, tickets. Cheeky I bet you know tickets. one of them instead, don't you? <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> you know, out of anyone you'd ever want to meet, you know, it has to be steps. I'd love them to come on the podcast. So I'm not joking about them. I do actually really like steps. That would be a banging episode. Can you imagine if we got a member of Steps on the podcast? I would die. It's like, that would it's be like it. when you're at university I'd... and they have all the nights at university where there's like two members of Steps that show up for like a meet and greet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or there was like a performance of S Club 3. I remember that when we were at Leeds Uni. Do you remember that, Holly? Oh, yeah. I think I was there as well. I think I might have been in my S Club shirt. <laughs> Me being cool again. <laughs> I feel like we had blue at one point, maybe. We had them all. Yeah, I feel like we got all the sort of, uh, yeah, the like weird, and then like the weird like made in Chelsea fruity nights. Yeah, and... oh, fruity. Good old fruity. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Does any Leeds peeps in the house, they're going to know what we're talking about. I've got a hangover thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's instant headache. <laughs> so berries have you got any show well it's it's a shit question isn't it have you got any shows coming up it's all, all dependent isn't <laughs> it a... on what happens but is there anything for like later in the year that we can kind of pencil in our diary in pencil because it's probably going to move but yeah huh. well this is a thing yes so we had a show in march but we're actually just in the middle of moving it so i can't actually confirm the date for it but look out for it. <laughs> there will be a show one day. Um, <laughs> I know. I should have got it confirmed before the do you, podcast. Where, yes, do you, do no, you know it where will, it will be? It's at the Grace. Um, it's going to be the same show um, that we were going to do last April. Um, one day we will get to play the show. <laughs> it's been rescheduled about 18 times. Um, so please hang on to your tickets and, and buy your tickets and come and watch us finally. Sometime in July and or August, maybe, hopefully, possibly. At some point, Berries will play yeah. a show and you should be I think there. I've sold, I think I've sold the show. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 100% sure that me and Angela will be there. Um, well, definitely. Thank you. That would be excellent. And I was going to ask the same thing about Bug Eye. Can I uh, put any dates in my diary already? My Fuck diary's been a little empty. Um, we, well, there's one show we can't talk about yet, Kerry. But, um, but it's a show I want to know about. <laughs> but there's uh, behind the scenes, we'll tell you. No, there's uh, we're playing Loud Women Fest in September, oh, yeah. so um, that's the only. I mean, like like you, we were supposed to have had like a whole tour to push the album, and then yeah. we're kind of in two minds as to well, the album in July is going to be a year old. So do we do a tour to push an album that's a year old? We or do, like do we do we okay well there you go someone came up with tour. a really good idea so i was thinking or oh, do we spend a shit ton of cash recording another album and all that but um yeah all do that as well we do that yeah all of the above no no so, yeah so we're working we're working on album number two and then i think we'll do some shows this year but probably a proper tour in 2022 which just sounds mental when you think about like the tour that was cancelled in 2020 and then we're yeah. talking about 2022 yeah i know i think just like, the, the ah! way that we see time scales at the moment is so very different isn't it 
it's yeah. very warped. Yeah, definitely. 2022 does seem like a long time away, but I'm sure it will creep up on us <laughs> quickly. Well, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's best. We'll all be yeah. out gigging and yeah. doing fun things. Nice. Oh, I'm excited for the Loud Women Fest. Yeah, the lineup looks insane. It looks amazing. Yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited to, yeah, can't to wait. play that. Arcs playing, Bang Bang Romeo. Should yeah. be, should be really, really good. Again? Which venue is it at? It's... Um, oh, Put you on the spot. I can't two, 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 I want to say 229. Is that a venue? I think it's a venue in London. It's a venue in London. Someone's door, I'll find it. <laughs> um, no, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it's 229. 229 the venue. 229 the venue. Oh, very nice venue. Yeah, no, so that, yep. that should I'll be quite cool. Getting some tickets. That should be quite cool, that one. But, um, yeah, and hopefully... That's that's the only gig that hasn't... I mean, it moved once, didn't it? That um, Like, Cassie, I think she's, like, got, she's like the oracle. I think she knew, you know, don't just move something in a couple of months. Just fucking move it way out. Make sure this shit is over. So, uh, yeah, September time. To be honest, that's the best one. way to do it. Yeah. Because, yeah, everyone keeps pushing shows just... <laughs> Every sort of couple of months, it's been rescheduled again. It's been rescheduled again. <laughs> well, that's that's the so, thing, yeah. and it's kind of it's just got to the stage. I was saying this before that I I mean I bought so many tickets to try and support things, and everything's moved. I've got no idea when any of these shows are happening, and it's almost it's almost I just have stopped buying tickets. It's like okay, I'm actually going to wait until this is definitely over before I start buying more more tickets to to things because it's just stuff's gonna clash i'm gonna have shows happen and go and go oh shit actually that was then right completely missed it but um yep. but yeah because actually when was uh bikini kill supposed to be we've all yeah, got the... tickets for that haven't we i think yeah we have i can't remember i feel like june it's in my diary wait june, oh it I might so. yeah june oh that might happen still because boris has said that by the 21st of june that there is, there's just not going to be any more lockdown sec- stuff. Second of June. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Second of June is when uh, that gig was uh, supposed to be. So. Oh, fuck. Damn it. I think that one's going to be. So just a couple of weeks later and it would have been all fine. <laughs> because <laughs> because oh. if Boris says a date, then that's what, obviously what's going to happen. Yeah. I hope coronavirus listens and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> cooperates with this date. Absolutely. But you know, you know what we should do actually, because we've got one more new song to play. But we should, so we should play that. But then we should also follow it with a Berries song. Ooh, cheeky! Um, can be a new one, can be an old one, can be one you wish you'd written and just say it's a Berries song. Oh, okay. Someone yeah. else's. No, so one of a, bu- a bug I checked. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. This is this is a song by Berries. It's uh, yeah no we wouldn't we wouldn't Don't do that stop <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't do that um, but yeah yeah so if you could pick a berry song and it can be totally the like, most recent one but yeah what would you pick to play I probably will keep picking the single even if you you know you did play it oh you did play it the other week though um... that was a few weeks ago we can play it again <laughs> but so 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 we'll play copy. Um, we'll obviously play. Um, is it Scattercones as well? Which is obviously not a very Shat- song. That's a Shat- different band. Shattercones. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shattercones. Shatter. Shattercones. God. See, I'm not used to drinking because I had a bit of a break from drinking. <laughs> so this is two glasses of wine in, and I can't remember anything. But um, yeah, so what's Copy about? Um, it's just about uh, pressures of 
society and trying to imitate people and how that can get quite obsessive and how sometimes it's good just to take a step back and appreciate what you're doing in your life and don't really worry about anything else that anyone else is doing really I went into my really deep like dark voice then but you listen you listen I I know we know what you were trying to do you listened to the last episode about Barry White and you know that having a deeper voice is more attractive so you're just we're berries I know I new single copy (laughs) (laughs) we need to end this show this with the most sorry my in- my internet um <laughs> is struggling so you two have been breaking uploads for the last few minutes which is making this a struggle oh. <laughs> I is imagine. your is your internet or are you messing with your mind going, eh, eh, uh, <laughs> don't don't be doing that to me so what's <laughs> yeah i'm probably just sitting on the <laughs> so what are we doing am i just introducing the shatacones track and are we going out on that or are we coming back after no, but we're live doing this. So this, I'm keeping this line in. What are we doing? What are we Help doing? Help me. I'm lost. <laughs> I'm not used to this hosting shit. So we're going to... Okay, so... Um, so, Kerry, right, if you're going to steal the show, you need to do your homework. <laughs> and know how this runs. So if you've, got, if you've got a song you want us to play or, like, a story you want us to tell, either, like, your story, actually, music, or, like someone famous or something like that just email us at rockpoprambles at gmail.com we're also on twitter at bug eye band and instagram and facebook as bug eye music um come and check us out on patreon where we have lots of exclusive content which is patreon.com slash bug eye um i think i think that's about about it really for housekeeping so uh yeah cool kerry what songs are we playing to end the show on? So, uh, another new discovery for me this week was Shatter Cones. Um, so I've got a song from their debut EP, Oppenheimer, which was released during lockdown last year. Um, and the closing song from that EP, which is called Starling. And then after that, we're going to have Berries with Copy. So over and out.
stand your ground.